Before there were farmers or shepherds on earth, there were sailors. Before people could make pottery or work metals or even lived in houses they could cross the sea. 40,000 years ago, people somehow got to Australia and populated that continent. We know that 11,000 years ago, people were crossing the Aegean, living in caves on the mainland of Greece, going out mining obsidian to bring back from the island of Milos. Now, we don't know what kinds of vessels they used, whether they were rafts or dugouts or what, but we can say that at least one went down every year for the last 11,000 years. That gives us 11,000 shipwrecks in the Aegean alone. There are far more. The Persians lost 100 ships in one storm in one day back in 480 BC. So there's plenty to be found. And since everything that people have ever made from tiny pieces of jewelry to the entire churches and temples, at least the, the marble elements, has been carried at one time or another by water, by studying shipwrecks, we can study the complete history of tools, weapons, games, glass, pottery, sculpture, anything that's been made. The first shipwreck to be excavated on the seabed in its entirety, I was very lucky. I was a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania, mining my own business, when Rodney Young, my professor, said, I have a letter from somebody that found a Bronze Age shipwreck off the coast of Turkey. Would you like to learn how to dive to be the archaeologist if we can put together an expedition? And I said, why not? You know, I was in my 20s. So I'll tell you the story about what we've done. And uh, I have some pictures, so uh, uh, here we go. The first uh, wreck we did was at Cape Galadonia, which is uh, out at the side. My wife just got a master's degree in music from the Eastman School of Music and came to um, see where her husband would keep the grand piano and saw where we were going to spend our honeymoon for the next three months. <laughs> and we went out each day to the site in our sophisticated research vessels and uh, dived. There were just eight of us, and four of us had never dived before we got there. But this, this wreck actually rewrote part of the history of the Bronze Age. It helped redate, perhaps, the composition of the Odyssey. It was very important. And from there, while I was still a graduate student, I just want to tell you what students can do. I went to the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, and I said, We've, we're now building the first commercially built research submarine in America. Is there ever built? Uh, with help from the National Science Foundation and the National Geographic Society, I need a vessel. So we got that on loan, and now we own it outright. We've been using it for the last 40 years over there, and it's very useful to us. Then in 1973, I was pushing 40, and so I had the 40 fidgets. I had the best job of archaeology there was in the country at the University of Pennsylvania, a tenured faculty position, the best department. And I went a little bit crazy and said, I want to found a completely independent uh, institute devoted to this work. Without knowing where I was going to get the funds, my wife and I sold everything we owned, our house, the children's toys, the car, everything. <laughs> Moved to the island of Cyprus. A war broke out a year later. But somehow the institute has worked. And we're now working on four continents. We're based at Texas A&M University, which has a whole program. For example, just uh, two years ago, we built this little catamaran. It's carrying a neat device on the stern. Uh, that's the uh, submarine Carolyn which uh, we're lure being lured down, and we just cruise. It's like driving a convertible. You can see in every direction. You can see 150 feet, the water's so clear. And in one month, we found 14 ancient wrecks, 10 possible wrecks, while visiting 12 wrecks we already knew about. So we were diving on a wreck every day. This is really going to change archaeology. For example, here we are on a 4th century BC uh, ship. We don't know what else is on it. Usually, we just see a little bit protruding above the sand. Then uh, when we find a wreck, we just telephone up with a wireless communication system and ask for the divers to come down. And so they come down, and here in this case, the diver is holding up for identification. Uh, we're all divers, but we can stay down for hours. He can only stay down for 20 minutes. An amphora, which allowed that ship to be dated instantly that day because we uh, took a digital photograph, emailed it to an expert in Manitoba, Canada, who emailed back, and we could pick it up with our cell phones and our laptops, that this was the only 
wreck ever found in the Eastern Mediterranean dating to the 6th century BC, and we're now excavating it. I'm going back in three weeks to complete the excavation. Well, that airlift's not going to work very well, but uh, we, we, we excavate the ships, and this is the oldest shipwreck ever excavated. Uh, it's 145 to 200 feet deep. It's the deepest diving operation ever done with just scuba equipment, 22,500 dives. We raised uh, 20 tons of artifacts from the age of King Tut, and uh, I'll just show you a picture, a few of the things. These are just because they're glitzy, you know, the largest collection of Canaanite jewelry ever found on any site. Uh, we had 18,000 cataloged objects, a beautiful little Canaanite uh, deity, bronze deity, partly covered with gold. But the, my favorite was not even this, the only gold scarab ever found of Queen Nefertiti of Egypt. And the way in which her name is written suggests to some Egyptologists that she was co-ruler of Egypt with her uh, 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 monotheistic husband, Akhenaten. My favorite find on that wreck, however, is what we say is the world's oldest book. It's a little writing tablet. They put beeswax on the interfaces. It had an ivory hinge, and they wrote on the beeswax. And Homer mentions one of these in the only reference to writing in all of the Iliad and the Odyssey, and all scholars say, well, of course, this is a later edition because they didn't exist back in the Bronze Age, and we had three of them on the ship. So it pushes back our knowledge of literacy in that part of the world by about seven centuries. Sometimes uh, we find enough wood to uh, actually uh, put together the hull of a ship, uh, as my student Michael Katzev did when we were still at the University of Pennsylvania, and then he joined the institute when I formed it as vice president. And so we saw this uh, through to completion. It's a 4th century BC Greek ship excavated uh, off the coast of Cyprus. And then that led to a full-scale sailing replica, which traced the original route of this ship and sailed beautifully, went through a full gale, and handled very, very nicely, and taught us a great deal about the sailing characteristics of uh, uh, Greek ships. And, and when I studied archaeology, of course, we'd learned nothing about ships. And yet, to an ancient Greek or Roman, the ship was as important as anything, because neither Greece nor Rome could have survived without exporting grain from either the Black Sea or North Africa. Or that they could not have prospered. Now, you saw that little camp we had with my wife there, looking for her grand piano with a suitcase full of music. He's uh, straight from the Eastman School of Music. Uh, now we've found out that it's much better to be comfortable, and so we build a nice camp wherever we work. And uh, we can build a camp anywhere. I mean, we could build one on the Mars or the moon if we wanted to. This uh, up here, for example, is used regularly. That's air-conditioned because now all of our mapping is done digitally and with dig uh, calibrated digital cameras. And so that really gives us uh, a very accurate, very uh, a time-efficient method of mapping the position of everything on a wreck. Now, you know, your dreams can come true. In 1973, I uh, roomed just outside of Washington for a week-long conference put together by the federal government on man in the sea, and my roommate was just about to get his doctorate in oceanography. And we would stay awake in our room, and i say, I'm just forwarding this institute, and I hope we can find a lot of wrecks and do neat things. And he said, I want to go down on the Alvin, and we're still good friends, and that was Bob Ballard who went down, of course, and found the Titanic, and he got one of the awards from the uh, Academy some years ago. And he does the deep work, I do the shallow work. But over in Turkey now, even though we're working around the world, my own work is there, we now have a nice institute. This is the office building, this is the dormitory. We have a four-story library building. We have a huge conservation laboratory. I have a house next door and spend six months a year there. And then in the Bodrum Museum, which is in this uh, 15th century crusader, well, a little after the Crusades, this castle that dominates the harbor of Bodrum, Turkey, for $200, I started this museum in 1960 when I was still a graduate student. And now it's a completely Turkish museum. 
the director learned to dive with us when he was an undergraduate at Istanbul University, and it's now the most visited archaeological museum in the entire country. Uh, uh, 280,000 paying guests went through, I think, last year, where you can see uh, full-scale replicas of what the Bronze Age ship looked like with all the cargo stowed back and a diorama down here for the, what the wreck looked like. And then you go next door and you can see the actual uh, objects on display. And you just go from one castle, uh, keep, or tower to another to see what's there. Now, this is my last slide, and I show this, and I'm so glad that the question was asked yesterday about the role of women in science and all the leadership and so forth, because the person uh, who is taking my place on the faculty at Texas A&M next year, uh, who rarely ran the 5th century, uh, century BC excavation, is uh, Deborah Carlson, who's getting her doctorate in classics at the University of Texas, but did graduate work with us at Texas A&M, and the one who's really running the 6th century BC rec for me right now is Elizabeth Green, who did uh, MA work with us, and then uh, that's the last slide, and then uh, uh, is getting her doctorate in Princeton in classics. So there's a great role for women in this field, obviously. Thank you.